Well, it's always a case of a certain amount of relief because you talk to the, the client and you, you get your team sorted out and you've got all these people engaged with the assumption that you're going to find something significant or you're going to find these remains. And so when we got on site and we worked with the big machine operators and we took the first couple of scrapes out and there was these outlines of these walls, it was just like, yes, you know, like... One, it's relief, and two, then it's excitement, because I knew that these structures were rare. Not just in Victoria, but internationally, they're rare. That's Adam Ford, a Melbourne-based archaeologist and project director, for a dig on the grounds of the historic Pentridge Prison, talking about the discovery he made in 2014 of some stone footings to an architectural structure known globally as a panopticon. Hi, my name's Kate Follington and you're listening to Look History in the Eye, produced by Public Record Office Victoria. We are the archive of the State Government of Victoria. We hold 100 kilometres of public records about Victoria's past, which are carefully preserved in climate-controlled vaults. In this podcast, we meet the people who dig into those boxes, look history in the eye and bother to wonder why. You can download the record that began this story by searching Look History in the Eye podcast online. This episode is about the convergence of ideology and design. The Panopticons and Pentridge Prison itself was the physical manifestation of criminal reform in the 1800s. New radical concepts were designed deeply into the architectural vision for the prison. It was paving the way for psychological experimentation and a method that we now know has become one of mankind's most brutal forms of punishment. The prison is based in the northern fringe of the city and it was active until the mid-1990s. And in 2004, it was sold, of course, to developers to build apartments and townhouses. But the deal was, as long as certain sections were preserved as heritage, the development could go ahead. So in 2014, Adam was brought in to work out what was worth keeping. And he knew that if he could find the panopticons, they'd have local as well as global significance. I did see some aerial photographs taken in the 1940s of the Panopticon airing yards when they were still erect and still built, and they looked bizarre. From an aerial view looking down over this prison, it was like looking down at a prison where a carnival troupe had set themselves up inside the prison walls. They turned their giant wagon wheels on their side and laid them randomly across the prison complex. Right, so the panopticons are, if you imagine a a, a large timber cartwheel laid on its side, and you've got the hub at the middle where the axle would have been, and then there's spokes leading out, radiating out from that axle, and then there's a perimeter, which is the wheel uh, rim, the the tyre of the the cartwheel. That's kind of what these were, but in stone on the ground, and they're about 20-odd, no, 30-odd metres across, uh... The, the, the circle in the middle is the foundations of a two-storey watchtower. And then radiat- radiating from the watchtower were these uh, dividing walls that were overhead high. Prisoners left their solitary confinement for their one hour of exercise a day. They trooped into the base of the watchtower, and then all faced a tiny little door that led out to their own little triangle 
of exercise yard and then they got in there and they were told to walk and they had to walk without stopping for an hour and then they went back into solitary confinement for their hour that was their yeah that was their michelle bridges 12 <laughs> 12 week transformation and it was all about this silent and separate system. Pentridge Prison was built in 1859, a few decades after Melbourne started as a British colony. Pentridge was designed to look like a Gothic castle. It has curved medieval turrets which stare down at you from the entry gate and thick, tall, bluestone block walls built by the prisoners themselves stretch out for hundreds of metres in both directions. It kind of looks like something out of the Game of Thrones. You know, this formidable structure, this fortress-like structure standing on the, on the top of a hill, silhouetted against the sky, gave the community that up until that point had, had started, the fabric had started to burst at the seams with an enormous amount of people arriving at the beginning of the gold rush. It gave them uh, a, a feeling of confidence in the government and confidence in the justice system and, and that what they'd seen as this burgeoning lawlessness was being treated seriously and being controlled by, by, the, uh, by the colonial authorities. When news spread that there was gold to be had, thousands of ambitious emancipated convicts from the island of Tasmania and New South Wales rapidly headed to Victoria to seek their fortune. And look, there were some successful diggers, but the dreamers returned to Melbourne empty-handed and really hungry. And of course, soon petty crime skyrocketed. I mean, Melbourne was, suddenly found themselves with all of these criminals and the worst of them were put onto floating hulks in Port Phillip. They were locked away in the gallows of abandoned ships and sometimes they were left there for years. So another solution that they were employing at the time was simply to whip criminals with the cat of nine tails. The cat of nine tails was a whip made of strips of knot knotted fabric. The whipping would lacerate the back skin of the victim, who was tied to a wooden frame up to 50 times. And then they'd, they'd often not stop at the first 50. They would then deliver it uh, three more times over several months. And then to add salt to the wound, which is in fact where the phrase came from, they would then splash salty water onto the cuts to reduce the possibility of infection. Ouch. The best option if you committed a crime was to be sent to the road gangs at any of the stockyards around the city. So you could be road building from anywhere between 3 to 12 months, but if you misbehaved while you were doing that, you'd be shackled with metal weights around your ankles, and this was called hard labour in chains. You know, in the, prior to the 19th century, punishment went two ways. Either it was, it was physically punitive, people were whipped or beaten or put in the stocks or... Um, given hard labour, it was a way of physically meeting out the, the, the community's revenge on someone who was, a, who was being, being naughty. <laughs> but if you were really bad, then they just killed you. It, the designers really thought there has to be a new way. An event that rocked the prison establishment occurred just as the government decided it was time to try something new. 
With the ships in the harbour full and Melbourne jail overflowing, the Inspector General of the Penal Settlement, John Price, while visiting a prison road gang in Williamstown, was suddenly dragged down an alleyway at Jellybrand Point and bludgeoned to death with rocks by prisoners from the prison ship The Success. And they were complaining to him, apparently, about their food rations and the ill-treatment they'd been receiving from wardens. And they obviously didn't like his reply because they then bludgeoned him to death. So it was pretty obvious to the government of the day that they needed a new way to reform criminals and they needed it to work quickly and effectively. Well, the penitentiary was a, was an entirely new concept. Um, the The British penal system, until the reformers took over, was based on the threat of, um, of severe punishment. Towards the end of the 18th century, there were something like 300 offences that were capital. If you cut down a cherry tree in an orchard, that was an offence that was regarded as deserving capital punishment. There were various legal fictions that were available uh, that so the judges could avoid having to um, to sentence people to death. That's Jeff Hewitt, a Melbourne-based archaeologist who also is doing his PhD in philosophy. And he has a particular interest in the Panopticon design because it ties very closely into prison reform in the 1800s. The main idea behind this reformability of people is a, an evangelical religious one, and it was very much part of the uh, the nonconformist approach to religion that had developed in Britain and, and had been transported quite early to North America. And it was all based on the notion that uh, the human soul was capable of being uh, converted and recovered and that people would um, would respond and become good members of society if this could happen. The the Quakers in North America, particularly in Pennsylvania, thought that to connect to this divine spark within the person required them to be kept in isolation, hence the, the idea of the separate system. And uh, the Pennsylvania prisons initially were single story and they all all had a little window in the roof of the cell through which the light would come and this was symbolic of the eye of god and the eye of god shining upon the person who's stuck in this dark cell otherwise. And thus a new experiment on the spiritual reform of criminals began and it was called the silent and separate system. When designing Pentridge, they decided to adopt a couple of different ideas. On the one hand, you had the forced religious self-reflection concept onto criminals. And on the other, you had the influence of a utilitarian reformist who was on the rise in England. And his name was Mr. Jeremy Bentham. And he believed prisoners needed more than just spiritual enlightenment. They needed self-discipline. They needed purpose and that prisons should be designed to offer prisoners a trade or a skill as well as time to self-reflect. So his prison design, presented to the English judicial system, would achieve this goal. It wasn't square. It wasn't a floating hulk on the Thames. His prison design was tall and round, and he called it the Panopticon. 
a massive circular designed prison where all the prison cells are layered floor on floor around the outside walls with the prisoners' cells facing inward. And in the centre, a tall guard's tower rises from the floor. But you can't see the guards because they're hidden behind slatted windows. So the prisoners were being watched, but they never knew if they were being watched. So uh, a way of correcting deviant behaviour by imposing self-control. And it's intended to produce this as a habit so that people will continue to behave appropriately whether they're observed or not. Now, Bentham was also trying to make um, prisons profitable and, uh, and he felt that it was possible for people to be productive at some kind of individual labour, whatever it might have been, uh, without necessarily having a supervisor looking over their shoulder. They could establish the habit of productive work with just the mere thought in their mind that they may be observed in the process. So if we return to 1857 Melbourne, the committee that had been pulled together to try and figure out a solution to this prison crisis, or crime crisis, you might say, in Melbourne in 1857, were keen to know more about this new idea of the silent system. It was presented by William J. Champ, who'd been in charge of convicts in Tasmania, and so he was brought to Melbourne to replace the now bludgeoned John Price and to solve Melbourne's prisoner problem. And the very essence of the system I recommend is the preservation of absolute silence and the prevention of communication between the prisoners. The light would be from above so that there would be no looking out at the windows. The doors would be solid, of wood and very thick, and closing so that no sound could come through them. Each man would have his bell, which he would ring if he was taken ill or wanted the water. And the water would be constantly walking up and down on a carpet or matting with slippers on. And in each door there would be an inspection aperture closed with plate glass. And as the water went along, he would push it to one side and see what a man was doing in each cell without being observed. And the man inside could not hear the slightest sound. So in the end, Pentridge Prison was built to combine both the Quaker ideal of solitary confinement and religious reflection with radial corridors of stone cold cells stretching out in various directions from a single point. And then in addition, they built circular exercise yards with a guard's tower in the middle to match Bentham's idea of blind observation. Hence the reason why we have miniature panopticons in the middle of Pentridge. Yeah, it was solitary confinement. They had a, their own cell. Each cell had its own flushing toilet and sink, which was revolutionary in 18, uh, late 1850s. Crucially, part of it was this, this idea that you never knew when you were being observed. They weren't allowed to speak. So when uh, they did have their one hour a day of, of exercise, which they were obliged to air them, that's why they're called airing yards, they had to continue that, that silent system and that um, secret observation, I suppose, out into the airing yards. So these guys would go out for one hour a day. They would walk through one of the yards into the base of the tower and then into the yards and they had to walk up and down for that hour. Now the design of the tower, the two-story tower up at the top, there were two guards who wandered around on the inside. 
but the windows were slatted, like louvered. So the prisoner, if they looked up and casually looked up, all they would see were these louvered windows, and they would never know whether being observed or not. Remember, the prisoners, whenever they left their cell, had to put a hood on with just uh, eye holes, this felt hood and mask, so that they couldn't even engage in facial expressions with the other prisoners. I can't help but wonder sometimes if Bentham's idea of the panopticon prison ideology, where we keep ourselves in check for the good of a productive society, isn't alive and well in any modern city. I mean, thanks to CCTV, we have a form of constant unidentifiable surveillance around us. And perhaps CCTV cameras are forcing an imposed level of self-control among us. And the concept was more to do with running manufacturing places rather than, uh, than prisons, such as uh, asylums and poor houses and other sorts of refuges, as well as prisons, where this idea of the centralised supervisor who is silent and invisible uh, could, be, uh, could be making people productive. The collective happiness is more important than individual happiness and that the, uh, the, the total happiness of the mass uh, is to have precedence over the will of the individual. A lot of people who enter the prison system now as then had mental health issues and so to put them in solitary confinement just in many cases made a lot of things worse. People didn't really want to retreat into their heads because there be demons in there. And so um, I think it was quickly established that it wasn't working and it was much better to see prisoners, okay, they weren't allowed to speak in the, in the, in the silent system, practicing C division, but they were engaged with each other, they were engaged in meaningful activities. Perhaps for the first time ever, they'd been given work and they'd finished something. And, you know, they, but they, that was probably much more of a, a, a positive contributor to, uh, to their, you know, re-entrance into society than sitting in a, a room by yourself, you know, picking burrs out of wool. There was an economic factor as well, but you could see that the, the, the separate system was abandoned within 25 years of it being established in, in Pentridge. And so they started putting two prisoners in each cell, therefore you can't be classed as a separate system if that's the case. The Panopticon stone footings at the Pentridge prison development will be preserved, according to Adam Ford. So in among the new townhouses, the noisy cafes and the planned cinemas, um, we might see a large circular glass surface appear in amongst it that we can walk on and we'll be able to look down and see the original brick outline of the Panopticon triangular airing yards and perhaps walk the small space that prisoners were given during their one-hour break from the hell of the solitary and silent system. And if you do get a chance to have a look at those stone footings... Think about it as a nod to architectural heritage, but also a nod to Bentham's reformist ideals and to the beginning of what we now know as the penitentiary, a system still in use today. 
Solitary confinement, in fact, is still practised in Victorian prisons. In 2019, Ombudsman Deborah Glass called for a ban on solitary confinement of up to 22 hours a day. She produced a damning report into youth correctional facilities which found that the practice was widespread and misused by staff. She said it leads to hallucinations, to psychosis, to self-harm and to suicide. The circular panopticon airing yards and the separate silent system at Pentridge was implemented in 1859. It was presented as a more humane way to reform the soul. But I can't help but ask myself if we simply replaced one form of torture with another. I'm walking about in the exercise yard. Brick walls around me, a warder on guard. Time after time, the ten paces I measure, one hour a day for my health and my pleasure. Blue sky above me, my God, but it's hard, walking about in the exercise yard. Tommy the narc's in the next yard to mine. Put me away to the demons, the swine. He got a couple and I got a fin. By the Lord Harry, the judge rubbed it in, said with the devil's own brush I was tarred. He sent me to walk in the exercise yard. As I'm tramping, I think of the missus in court. The lawyer had told her my time would be short. When the judge gave me five, well, she looked a bit off. I hope she won't go and take up with that toff, him with the nose that got broke when we sparred. I wish I had him in the exercise yard. But it's no use of fretting. Ah, there goes the bell. Put on your masks. Now it's back to my cell, back to my Peter and Hominy Inn. Satan's own mixture of maize meal and sin. Then safe for the night, I am bolted and barred. Done for a day with the exercise yard. (laughs) 